Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Kevin Umanya, ceramicist and fine artist. Enjoy. good i've been good um just uh just working away every day um trying to you know get shit done and uh, going through some transitional things in life Uh, yeah how are you been i'm all good so you're at a residency right yeah i'm in residency and um helena Montana. Fascinating. I hear good things about Montana, actually. Dude, Montana is absolutely gorgeous. There's That's what I hear. Just big open skies. Um, you're around nature. You see wildlife every day. You're able to focus and uh, just get work done. And everyone's nice. And um, yeah. So what's that residency all about? Uh, it's called Archie Bray. Yeah, I think the Archie Bray Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like a pretty prestigious ceramic residency. It's been around for over, I think, 70 years. Um, and it's in like an old, um, um, like an old campus where they used to make bricks. For um, Oh, nice. Yeah. So they have like beehive kilns and all sorts of kilns. And a lot of like... Um, you know, great ceramicists have uh, attended the Bray. And so you're just there chilling and working as hard as you can? Yeah, I'm here for the whole summer. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm just in the studio every day, like, you know, probably 8 to 12 hours. And uh, How many hours do you think you spend working actively on something in those 8 to 12 hours? Realistically speaking. Realistically, I... Realistically, I think I might take maybe two hour breaks. So like I'm probably on my phone, either on my phone or eating for like two hours or drinking a beer, like two to three hours. Yeah. So I would say definitely five plus hours on working on things. And you're working on these combination painting ceramic objects? Yeah, um, I'm doing that. I'm doing all these like hybrid paintings and um, these sort of like, uh, I guess you can call them tiles, but I call them like tablets because they're just kind of like paintings on flat surfaces of of clay. But I'm also uh, experimenting with building like large vessels while I'm here just because. um, Yeah, why not? they have all these like gas kilns and large kilns that I don't have access to. So um, a lot of the other residents uh, are working big 
and they all were three dimensional. So I like I've I think as soon as like the first day I got all my materials and I just uh got inspired to work three dimensional instead of um paintings. But I'm still doing my paintings. I'm just as those things are drying, I'm working on these three dimensional um objects. Right on. And you're kind of on this residency tear, right? Like you've got a bunch of residencies, you got another one coming up at a word I can't pronounce. Yeah. I have one uh, at Sharp Walentas um, in Brooklyn. It's in Dumbo. Uh, that's coming up. And then um, I have the Albers Foundation. And then um, I'm in the process of applying to other ones for um, next year. So you enjoy this bouncing around? <laughs> I wouldn't say enjoy. I think, uh, I think for the past three years, I've been grounded in Kansas City, Missouri, mm -hmm. and um, and then uh, I went through a breakup, and I was like, you know what, um, I should figure out where I want to live. And so I started applying to a bunch of residencies that were in different cities. And um, so, uh, so far I'm trying to get used to being a vagabond and um, I, all, all my stuff is in storage, uh, but I feel like for the next year or two, I have to get used to it. <laughs> I'm not used to it yet. You don't like being a nomad? Is it natural or unnatural? It's unnatural. I mean, I love like moving city to city, but I think as I'm getting older, I'm just like, I just want to feel like some place is home. And I have a, you know, I can, I want to feel like I can have people over for dinner or, um, or just have like my art collection up and display and, and just feel like at home. So, but right now it just feels like I'm living out of a suitcase. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of liberating, you know, I think it's, it's nice that I'm feeling uncomfortable because it's allowing me to do a lot of things that um, I typically wouldn't do. Well, what do you call home? What is the closest thing to home you've had in your entire uh, life? Damn, that's so, t that's so tough. Um, I would say home right now is Kansas city. Um, are you from there? I'm not from there. I I just lived there for three years, but it's hmm. it's um I've met like amazing people there, and um, that's where I got introduced to ceramics. And um, but home for me, home. I mean, I'm originally from Los Angeles, so I'm a been a California boy my whole life. Uh, but uh, you know, LA's big it's changed so much since growing up there. And I feel right now, Kansas city has been pivotal in my development as a human being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you run a space there as well, right? Um, I used to, um, Oh really? I, yeah. I used to, uh, not anymore. Um, I think I kind of, uh, shut it down last fall. It just became, you know, running a space, at, I mean, as you know, you did it, mm -hmm. it just becomes 
complicated and there, you get to devote so much time to it and it's hard to balance your professional personal life and um it's hard to you know as an artist it was hard for me to work on my own stuff when i'm trying to elevate other artists and um, you know get their works out there and um i kind of put my own work on the back burner but yeah. uh but uh soon as i kind of decided to take a break uh my art career started taking off and i just started getting busy and i just didn't have time to devote to devote myself 100% to running a gallery what do you think you learned from running a space like that oh man i learned so much i learned what the like the shit that galleries have to deal with with artists right. exactly um I learned how to write a proper exhibition statement. I learned how to document work. I learned how how it works when it comes to like selling work and how to um, you know advertise a show. How to conceptually bring a show together and how to curate it in a way where it doesn't benefit you, but it benefits like the viewer. Like how how do you tell the story to the viewer? where anyone could understand it but also like the logistics man like the shipping the yeah. all these things that artists don't really think about um i had to deal with um just because it was like a a one person show so you learn to empathize with the gallerist oh yeah sense. definitely yeah I, I, I feel the same way yeah like how to be punctual man like every artist should be punctual because shit like are you uh, punctual uh, yeah i mean as soon as like my gallery writes to me i try to write back asap and if they need like photos i try to get those photos documented and sent to them i don't want anyone waiting on me because sometimes you are waiting on the artists and it just doesn't you know it's i don't know i just like being on time and you know doing all the paperwork and, and just making yeah. sure that all the uh all the ends are tied so having seen both sides of it what do you think is the most like if you had to give advice to a young fine artist would it be as mundane as that just be on time be reliable respond to emails from galleries etc once you make that connection try to maintain it in the most kind of professional way possible yeah just be as professional as you can be man i like when i was running the gallery and i was trying to curate a bunch of like new york artists and la artists and like some local artists and i would reach out to some local like um young artists that just got out of school and they wouldn't even respond to like my emails of like hey can i do a studio visit or like hey can you like send me your cv or information they just would they would like they would think it's cool to be like yeah uh unprofessional exactly like, it was so strange because it's like why do you why do you want to seem immature and um and you know and i'm not like a big curator i'm not like an important i wasn't an important gallery but it made me feel like i don't want to work with you and i'm going to tell my friends not to work with you because you are not professional yeah i think for me it's this realization that once you step into the gallery space it's an admission that you're stepping into a business framework and you should act as such if you don't want to play that game that's fine just don't 
get involved with galleries. I remember making paintings for what was before part two was called part two. I I'm blanking mm. on the name because there was a couple of names. Like what B or something? Yeah. Yeah. Or Athen and B. Athen B was the second yeah. iteration. And yeah. and I had this mentality because I was a brat. Um like I'm gonna make the biggest, most unsellable paintings. And Sorel, who was running the gallery at the time, was like, Are you sure you want to make paintings that big? You know, having mm-hmm. he knew like what would sell and what wouldn't. And and I was like, Yeah, I do. And of course they didn't sell. I enjoy those paintings, but it was kind of a selfish act in a context where essentially I'm working collaboratively with a business and I should have been more mindful of that. Um, I don't think there's room for that kind of antagonistic behavior within the gallery collaboration. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, my key now is to be as transparent as I can be. Um, you know, like, um, I remember some artists would, uh, give me like the slight remark about like, Oh, you weren't able to sell any of the works. And, and for my response was like, you know, I can only do so much. Like I can, I only have a few clients I can reach out to you. You have to meet me, uh, halfway. Like if you're not doing any app marketing, if you're not, do, if you don't have any collectors, I can't convince like some Joe Schmo to collect some, you know, I don't know, some kid. Um, and, you know, and also like, it's a business like the, you know, if you're, if you want to make money as an artist, like you have to be able to provide the commodities that can sell. Yeah. And was that was that working in Kansas City? No, it was really tough, man. It was um, it was extremely tough, and I, I I didn't have the mindset that I was gonna like make bank off of this gallery. I just kind of wanted to introduce like certain artists to the world and like give artists opportunity to have solo exhibitions in the small artist run space. And um, there are a couple of collectors in um, in Kansas City that would support us. Um, but it wasn't enough to pay the rent. And so most of the time I was, it was, the rent was coming out of my own pocket. And so I was kind of going broke running the gallery. And, um, but there are like a, a lot of collectors in Kansas city. The only, uh, the only issue is that, um, you know, they're wealthy people. They have art advisors. They usually collect artists who are on the market or galleries from New York or LA where they know it's a great investment. There's like right. the backing of a prestigious gallery that, um, so it, I think it was, uh, our market was more like young collectors and, yeah. um, um, but it was, it was great. And I got introduced to amazing people. It just wasn't bring me, um, I was just struggling with financially because I was just, I was just going broke trying to run a business. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the problem is like, you're trying to run a business while maintaining a certain art integrity in a market mm-hmm. where people are really judgmental. I remember trying to explain to my friend who I just met randomly on the street one day, who's like in marketing, like you can't have 50% off sales. You know, he was trying to like help me. Like, what if you had a 
20% off paintings. I was like, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, like you would lose your reputation would be ruined forever. Yeah. So you're trying to run a business in this really buttoned up. I mean, it's almost a system that's designed where you, if you don't have a ton of money to start, you're pretty much just not going to be able to figure it out. And that's why interesting galleries that are run by artists tend to last two to three years. I think mm -hmm. it's like the threshold of, well, just losing the money, but also I think I think you kind of gain the benefits you need from a learning, mm -hmm. from an educational perspective within those two to three years. Like what we're talking about, I yeah. think you probably get within that time frame. Did you run it for two to three years? Yeah, I ran it for like, um, I think I started like maybe 2019 mm -hmm. and then ended like 2021. Yeah. Uh, Wait, 2021, like, no, 2022, ended 2022. And so um, I learned so much. I mean, I love it. Uh, you think you would do it again? I would do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I would do it again. I think I just have, I would have to have, a, I, I have a different mindset now. And so like. Where would you do it if you did it again? Man. Um, I don't know. New York, maybe New York. Yeah. Like I would say, let's start instead of like, you know, my ambition was to make an art market in Kansas City, like a middle of America where it doesn't get any like uh, limelight. And I realized that you can't, you can't like force New Yorkers or uh, Californians to like, hey, pay attention to us. And so I kind of have to go with the market is, and it's probably New York in LA, but LA is too sparse. And so probably New York, New York. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think sometimes even from my perspective in suburban New Jersey, it's like, there's only so many battles you can fight at once, you know? Yeah. In, in yeah. business. And you should really pick like one. Um, and you end up picking like five and the obvious occurs, you know, there's something very humbling about running a business that, I saw great value in that mm -hmm. and you get humbled in a way that I think making art doesn't quite do it. It's very objective when you're failing. So I enjoyed that. I don't know if I would do it again, <laughs> but I am considering it. Um, yeah. But how do you think that helped your practice once you ended that? I know you said you had more time to do it. Um, but I think that can be good where you kind of take this break from your personal work and you learn the practical side of it i think you can i'm assuming approach things much more professionally and much more efficiently after that experience yeah i mean i definitely learned how to take cohesive photo documentations off of that um and then um, i think i learned how to write about my own work um I, i'll do look i it affected all my work in the in the logistic manner and so um how to properly you know uh, come up with a contract or a lease agreement or condition reports um i don't think and also you know the fact that i curated a lot of amazing artists from all around the world i got to see certain artists works up close i got to handle it I got to see the materiality, um, how they ship their works, um, 
how how they present their own works or how they even talk to other galleries. So in the learning aspect, I learned a lot about how to be a good artist just because I would be taking from a lot of other artists. And, you know, granted that not every artist I worked with were as professional as others, but uh, the ones that were really professional really stood out. And so um, I just kind of learned I'm always been like a professional artist. I just, I learned how to be a bit more polished mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And when you're writing about your work, what are you seeking to do? I mean, I know writing about abstract work can get, I think, quickly dangerous in some ways. Mm-hmm. Because, well, there's a big difference between an abstract painting and a written text. Mm-hmm. So what is a successful artist statement for you what does that look like uh, ben, being as genuine and brutally as honest as you can be um and not trying to sound all uh like a pseudo intellectual and try to uh be as descriptive and um as you can be and uh uh I mean, I just, I, I don't, uh, it's, it's so, it's so hard. I think the reason I, just, I, the reason I ask yeah. is like, I think, well, there's artist statements that undermine the work, especially when it's abstract, when they're mm-hmm. trying to, like you're saying, I think the problem is when you're trying to stuff way too much conceptual or intellectual information into a painting that frankly doesn't have that within it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gets fluffy really quick. Yeah. But I mean, I'd be I, curious from your work. I don't know if it how it changed after running the gallery. If when you were in in college, I believe you were always interested in abstraction. At least yeah. since I've known you, if you had moments of putting on that hat of like, you. I mean, we could use the word pretension. It's kind of boring to say, but just like trying to put too much into a mm-hmm. painting that maybe didn't carry that much. Yeah. Uh, now for me, like everything I mentioned in my artist statement, I'm actually <laughs> doing in my works. And so I think when I'm creating, when I'm in the process of making artworks, I'm constantly writing about it. I'm constantly, um, you know, documenting my references that I use and um, like actually have each piece. I also just work in series. And so like, I only work in like, uh, in this sort of uh, uh, multiple pieces at one time. So mm-hmm. it's all cohesive instead of like, oh, this is about beaches. Oh, this one's about like farm life. It's everything it has to sort of conceptual idea behind it. And so um, I think before I even start creating, I have to come up with the idea of what I'm going to create. Whereas before it would be, um, you know, each piece was individual, uh, like from the other ones. And they were kind of set. I don't know. It's just now they're all like cohesive and, and uh, conceptually um, a whole series and they have meaning behind it. And um, my works are like, you know, from the general viewer, like abstraction, but pretty open ended. Um, there's a lot of references to things in the natural world in there. And, you know, my titles kind of 
explain most of the the works the you know i guess the the subject matter in the artworks i was about to say the titles seem to yeah they change that. oh yeah. totally you mean they change the way you view it yeah they totally change the the way you view it but as a you know i just started putting so much thought process to the titles and like maybe uh, a year ago or two years ago um because before you know i like one thing i hate <laughs> or one thing that um i don't really like so much is when i see like abstract artists and their titles are like untitled number 34 or untitled something i'm just like well then you don't know what your work's about like you have i don't know like i love the minimalist but the fact that you know um they were all about like i want to be as cold as machine like and you know separate my myself from my own works but it's like no every artist puts a lot of you know emotional or uh, logical thought into their own pieces and so the fact that you just call it untitled is just like kind of like a slap in the face sometimes oh i mean i don't know if it's a given that every artist does that but yeah, i do no. i do agree that what's interesting about your work is that it does give a lot more in my opinion than a lot of abstract work mm -hmm. whether that's color texture i mean the ceramics i definitely think was a big step up in terms of texture and for me just visual interest mm -hmm. but also the titles i think are very generous yeah they're definitely generous for sure and i try to encourage the people to look at the works and then maybe look at the item sheet because i i want the viewer to come up with their own perspective and um and you know actually make the viewer think before they're even being told what it is mm -hmm. um and so i i don't know i think i because i just started writing more i started using titles as this sort of um poetic inclusion into the work like well if i understand correctly too you're kind of design minded and so i think that kind of way of thinking might explain why mm -hmm. you approach the work that way as opposed to untitled yeah you know like there's nothing there i imagine you iterate a lot and you actually are very thoughtful in the production yeah. of these works that might appear more intuitive mm -hmm. on the surface is that no, accurate no that's definitely accurate man it's like uh you know just like it has like an architect how they would design a building or a home it's like every aspect of the design has a purpose and um and i always and you know i always try to uh iterate that when it comes to my own work because like everything has a purpose like the fact that i make my own panels that the fact that the edges are curved that the fact that i use different materialities different mediums different techniques the titles the even the size of the canvas or everything every aspect of the work is um, strategized and planned out ahead of time now that doesn't necessarily mean if i asked you about every thing you would have a rational response right maybe I don't know. You think, you think so? No. Like the, I mean, this shape, this, I, I mean, mm -hmm. the reason I say that is 
just because you say it has a purpose or quote unquote a function, I assume mm-hmm. a lot of the decisions are intuitive. So if, if I was like, why is that purple next to that blue? I doubt you yeah. would be like, well, it's because. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just a lot of things I have on. Uh, I can't explain. It's just like, uh, you know, when it comes to color, it's just like, it's just whatever feels good to me. You know, it's, there's, I don't, I don't read, you know, color interaction books. I, I it's whatever my eye likes. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, a you know, when it comes to ceramics, it's for me, what I love about it is I'm not able to control it. So, it's it's not only me making the work it's like me and the kiln and like yeah yeah and chance uh making the work so like a lot of the shapes when it comes to the ceramics it's it just happens in chance it's like very organic um i guess it's it is intuitive but um you know like how it behaves in the kiln when it's firing i can't control that um and that's what i love about it it's like i there's i've like relinquished control no i think that's a great thing for especially for analytical minds they need a process Mm -hmm. or medium that gets in their way in some sense yeah yeah doesn't allow the micromanagement the control Mm -hmm. freak to come out and that's why i think for me that you know i used i met you first you were doing just paintings i believe Mm -hmm. and then yeah, when I saw the ceramics, that jumped out to me as a as a big shift. It's really interesting to me how just a medium shift can change everything. It's not that the compositions were dramatically different, mm-hmm. um, but for me, it was probably something as simple as the edges. Yeah, being, being more organic. Yeah, man. I had at first I had so much difficulties accepting those edges and how the glazes were behaving because, like for me i was like this isn't hard edge this isn't like exactly what i wanted this isn't yeah yeah mathematically aligned to my 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 values and then um you know i had them on the walls and the person i was dating at that time were like these are great these are like amazing and then, um it took me a while to really uh like them because i think my analytical brain was telling me uh this isn't mathematically right <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh the edges i mean they just they do their own thing and, and it's hard to replicate them it's really hard it's um but i love them now now i can only i can only work that way yeah do you lo- actually love them like when you make them you love them i do I I can honestly say every piece, like I had a solo exhibition in January and I couldn't give you a favorite one because I love them all. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's so crazy that everything I make, I'm like in love with. But was uh, that always true? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, there'll be times where, you know, like you'll do a sketch and all you have to do, it's like, um, enlarge it on, onto a canvas and, um, and it just kind of felt boring. I felt like repetitive. There wasn't any surprises. And now, like, um, now I'm able to work very loosely and uh, create these works. You know, obviously, I have some paintings where I'm like, well, I will never show this in the gallery. But um, if I do show it, I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> was there a particular moment where that shift occurred? Was it when you embraced ceramics? Yeah. Yeah. When I embraced ceramics, when I embraced um, the hybrid paintings, when I started like implementing ceramics onto canvas. Because and how was, long did it take you to arrive at that? Like at what age did you find that? Um, the first one I showed was in 2021 and it was, um, at a, in the solo exhibition in Harlem, uh, in, um, 2021. And that one was in the studio for a year and I decided to show it and just to see the reaction of people and, um, they liked it. And then I took a break from it and then I did one did one for Boston and then I did one the, my third one I showed at Sproni Westwater last summer in a group show and that's when um, you know and they were still in the works there was, I was still trying to figure out what they were about um, but um, the owner uh, uh, pulled me aside and like um, was asking me questions for like 40 minutes and we were just talking about them and uh, they really took to them. And I, I felt like, um, I think the, uh, the owner of Sperani Westwater was like the first one who really, really fell in love with them. And, um, and I, it was great to hear because like for a while I was making, I, that was my third one that I made. And so I was just still very insecure about them and uh, they kind of encouraged me to like investigate it a bit more. So nice. um, I think from the first one was May 2021. And then uh, now that's mostly what I'm, I'm making now. Yeah. And so in 2021, how old were you? Um, we're at 2023, 33. So like two years younger so 31 <laughs> yeah yeah the reason i ask is it seems like this feeling of actually beginning to enjoy the work the work you make takes at least i don't know 10 plus years probably i think so i'm suspicious of anyone who's been doing it for two years and i love their work yeah i'm very suspicious yeah you're still figuring it out and like anyone who's just started for two years and I don't know. It's like, it's like an evolution, man. It's, you have to teach yourself. And like my, my main purpose is like, how do I set myself aside from a Picasso impersonator or like someone that's like similar to another artist. And so I wouldn't be content with my work if I'm just started. Um, Cause like, you know, things are derivative of everything. And this is like the first time where I'm like, oh, I actually never seen something like this before. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you mean in your own work? In my own work. Yeah. And so, so who just, would you have seen within your work in the past? Like if someone in bad faith were to accuse you of being derivative when in your 20s, who mm -hmm. do you think they'd be pulling out? Um, Man, a lot of people that I got were like, uh, when I was making shape paintings, it would be like Frank Stella. And then when I was making like gouache paintings, it would be like 
um, you know, people from the Memphis group. Sure. Um, Ellsworth Kelly probably at times. Els- right? Yeah, Ellsworth Kelly. I was a big, I was a big fan of Ellsworth Kelly. Um, you know, uh, I watched a documentary on Kelly a long time ago, and I was shocked at the kind of the references he was using to make certain black and white paintings. Mm-hmm. It kind of demystified the whole thing for me, but it kind of really- it made me interested in his process more than the work for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, a danger that the artist statement can mm-hmm. has to play with. But once I saw his references, I was like, oh. So I'm, that makes just looking, sense. I'm just looking at that thing because, yeah. you know, like for me, I, I don't really abstraction is not my thing. But when I do enjoy it, it's because I escape the kind of categorical mind I tend to have where I want like symbolic clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing that reference was a little shocking unless I'm misremembering. I think it was Kelly. Yeah, no, I think his his early black and white ones, especially the ones that he made after the war in Paris, it was a lot of them were like referencing windows yeah. or um, shadows. And um, and I think he was like the artist who kind of inter- abstract artist who introduced me to like um, uh, changing how we view the world like how we can depict certain uh, observations in a more abstract way instead of like, you know, if I paint a a nude, I don't want to paint it realistically. I want to paint it in a way where it's like a different perspective, yeah. a, diff- a different view. Like I really love the Cubists and how they are able to like shift different perspectives and like combine them in one um but yeah, Kelly did that. And like after reading his like book, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like it's all like from observation. Most of them were all from observation. Yeah, I suppose that's where it has to start to have mm-hmm. some kind of substance. But yeah. when did you enter into the abstract mode? Was that college or you were always interested in abstraction? No, I, I entered it towards like my last couple of weeks of college. Like I did a print, like because I, I graduated as a printmaker, and I did this like certain print. It, at that time, that print still had like some sort of like foxtail in it, but that was their transition towards like abstract work because I was using certain like color blocks or um, to make a, a different a different vocabulary, I guess, like a different way to depict what I want the viewers to see. Um, And did you feel it difficult to individuate yourself in the abstract mode early on? And that by that, I mean, you know, a lot of abstraction can look similar in some sense because you're, you're dealing with like foundational. Yeah. Form. No, I mean, no, I, I wasn't, I was learning from other art abstract artists and i was kind it was so hard to set myself aside because you know like we said like the first two years i would not be happy with my own work because it's not as original as it it could be and um you know i had to practice a lot on my work in order to develop 
over time. And so a lot of the artists that I was looking at were influencing my work. And um, now, now uh, I, I can't, I can't say um, if I look at a lot of work. <laughs> um, I do like love my, my friends' works and support them intensely, but um, I don't ever look and be like, oh, I want to depict this way and I want to use a soft edge. And do you mean in the sense of you've gathered the fundamentals of your inspirations? So you're kind of less interested in mining surrounding. Yeah. yeah I think, exactly. I think this is a hallmark of being 30 as well. Like I don't even, but maybe I'm in a different place. I just like, I don't, I don't know when the last time I went to a museum is or an art show. Cause it's not a social thing for me mm -hmm. in New Jersey. And I do feel, especially with the speed of information these days, like I feel like I've seen a lifetime of art. And I'm just going to spend the rest of my life processing that. And to do anything else would be overwhelming almost. Yeah. And like, I'm right now, I'm like so excited about my own work. And I have so many things I want to work on that uh, I can't, like, uh, before I used to like deviate from shape uh, like shape paintings and then like paperworks on paper and then canvas and uh, now i'm like honed in into this whole body of work that i'm working on now and i don't feel like i have to go to a gallery or a museum to find inspiration because now it's um i can find it uh in what i do and uh, does it uh, scare you a little bit that you it's not that you're comfortable, but that you're content with the work. Uh, I wouldn't say comfortable or content because I'm constantly trying to push hmm. my own boundary. You know, like um, I'm constantly trying to evolve. Um, I'm just now the only difference between me and past Kevin is that I'm not doing it in a mo more drastic way you know like i have i feel like i have developed my own style my own um vocabulary and i wanna if i do deviate from what i do with the hybrid paintings i still want it to be recognizable that it's me you know and um and that's why i'm right now i'm doing like these like ceramic vessels vessels in uh, this archibray uh, residency mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out, okay, how can I make these as different as my hybrid paintings? So it's like, instead of these just being ceramics, it's like, how do I do the same things I do with my hybrid paintings and implement that into these um, vessels? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean to imply that I think in our 20s, insecurity almost drives you forward. Mm -hmm. It's like the fuel, you know? Yeah. And then when you're 30 and you start liking your own work, some other fuel has to appear yeah. for, for it to keep growing. Because you can imagine if someone became successful and they, a ton of money started coming in, they might feel, they might start looking towards other parts of life, I think, to enjoy yeah. and just ride that, that shit out. Um, yeah. 
No, I'm not saying you're doing that at all. No. But it yeah. is a it's an interesting like there's this idea sometimes that good art comes out of suffering. Oh yeah. And I mean like beyond just like typical suffering of life, which is normal, like a real darkness is necessary. I can't imagine you subscribe to that. No, um, you know, to be honest, like I went through a bad breakup, uh, like right before my solo exhibition. So like in December and, uh, it took me three months to get back in the studio. Cause like, I thought that the body of work that I made for the solo exhibition was all driven from the turmoil of the, um, uh, the fall of my uh, relationship. And so for a while I was like, Oh, I was so scared to get back into the studio and uh, took me three months to like, Oh, okay. I still have my groove. I still have my mojo. Um, and I don't thrive on like the sort of like, uh, I don't know, turmoil. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like, now I just feel like constantly uh, fueled by uh, the fact that I want to make all these paintings that I want to do. Like um, I feel like time is against me and I want to make as much work as I can or just get it out as much as I can. Um, because my brain is just like constantly like producing these things and I want to just like get it out. It's like, you want to express yourself like you want to sing at the top of your lines um kind of thing well that's beautiful <laughs> but it's like i feel so ambitious to get in the studio and work um every day and i don't you know i think uh going through that tough time kind of uh it helped me out as much as sad as it was it was like the best thing to happen to me in my life but uh that's usually you know, how it goes you know yeah you gotta make best of that situation um but no yeah uh no like i think i'm just like so ambitious now i feel like now that i'm self-employed i'm able to like work on my own works um as much as i can so your work is sustaining you uh yeah yeah you know I'm, i can't go out there and buy a yacht but i i can live lavish i can't live lavishly but i can like live comfortably um and um and continue making the works and buying the materials that i have to make and i don't i don't know i don't go out much i just go to the studio right well and yeah. to be able to go to the residency yeah you need well, you can't be working during the residency, so you do need to be financially stable in some sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And the fact that I don't really have, like all my stuff is in storage, so I don't have double rent to pay. I just had to pay yes, exactly. for one place. And if I get accepted to a residency, I don't have a studio I have to pay. And so right, right. I can, I can figure out where my money's going to go and dedicate that my time and money to that one thing. This is just such a stupid question, but how are you attaching the ceramics to the canvas? I don't want, uh, don't, I mean, no, no. 
I mean, I can. It's I just like, no, no, maybe <laughs> you don't always want to tell all the materials on. Yeah, the... I have so many people asking me that, and that's um, why it was a stupid question. Yeah, don't, I like, don't tell me that. I've I've told one professor, and then they told their whole class, and then you know, uh, they uh, she sent uh, the professor sent me like uh, some uh, some of the students that got inspired by my work, and they they. They kind of like learn how I adhered it to the canvas, and I was like, "Oh, cool! This is amazing." Completely different, but um, I was like, "Okay." I don't know. I, I how I learn how to hear it is, um, I guess like doing handyman work. Yeah, we're talking construction adhesive. Construction, yeah, construction <laughs> adhesives. Yeah, <laughs> just still trying to figure it out. Yeah. No, no, I think it's good to know. But you don't want to write, for instance, if you use construction adhesive, I don't think mm -hmm. you want to write it on a material list. It's not a good look. Yeah. You got to keep it you, tight. Keep it tight. Well, if you look at my material list, my, my descriptions of my artworks, it has almost everything I use. Um, but uh, yeah, it, you know, I'm still, still learning the whole, the whole, uh, what the work's all about and so like materials come into hand a lot so i'm i'm constantly at different stores trying to figure out okay how can i implement this material into the works um we talking home depot or like an art store everything man like thrift stores home depot i don't do home depot as much but like um you know art stores like sculpture stores paint stores uh, I sometimes I just go into the art store and look I walk through all the aisles trying to see like oh this is interesting I've never worked with this how can I teach myself how to work with this and um you know I think I was talking to someone it's like I I'm constantly implementing different techniques and mediums into the works and I'm also teaching myself how to use those things you know um, so I'm all, I'm always like learning as I'm making these works. And I think that's why it's so exciting to make these works. Cause, um, I never feel stagnant. I'm always like discovering new things as I work, as I, you know, I work on them. Yeah. And from a scale perspective, are they all about the same size? They're all roughly the same size. Yeah. Like, um, 13 and a half by 16 and a half. Uh, 18 by 24. I think last month I made my first like big one. Uh, and that one is, uh, I believe four feet by three feet. Is that something you want to push more? Um, or do you like the small intimate? I like, work? I like the small intimate work. I think there's something about it. Um, there are definitely, more devotional you know like they're more yeah. in intimate more um i feel like i love that the viewer has to get up up close to actually view the details and like the thing that i hear the most it's like oh you know this translates so much better uh in person than in photos because you can really see the materiality and like um the weavings of the canvas and all these these details that it's hard to translate over the web or um, um, 
No, I like the small works. I just kind of wanted to see if I was able to to work big. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm still waiting to hear what my gallery thinks, but I think it's like, you know, the people who I have I have had over my studio, they're like they love the big one. Um it's just uh it's tougher. It gets very heavy at that size. Oh, are there ceramic components? Yeah, just the whole thing, you know, the whole panels, the the ceramics. Um it's uh it's just uh it's a lot of work to work big with ceramics just because like the my kiln that I was using was a certain size. And so when it if I have to work bigger, I have to like figure out how to put it in a bigger kiln and hmm. um figure out how to like roll the the clay right in the large format where it doesn't crack or it doesn't warp and like um there's all these like you know i'm I'm constantly talking about the painting part but the ceramic part's like the most the, that's what takes the longest it takes months months even maybe maybe weeks but like to dry to fire it to glaze it uh to make sure it's not cracking it's not warping it's there's no like defects right mm -hmm. and when you were a young child did you what what did you think you were going to be what was your identity oh i wanted to be an archaeologist geologist <laughs> i wanted to be an archaeologist so bad i was like i remember digging digging in our backyard and then um you know and like finding like tiles like ceramic tiles and like deep deep in the dirt and it must have been like from like a previous remod remodel um uh home but for me i was like oh this is pure historic this is like asian and i don't know what got me i think i was really into um egyptian uh um, hieroglyphics and and i was like oh cool i want to be an archaeologist so yeah. this all makes sense the clay uh, i feel like it makes sense oh yeah yeah, I, I, it makes sense. Like, um, I think what when I really fell in love with ceramics, like in 2020, it's like when my mom told me that she made ceramics. And, hmm. um, and so I felt like clay has always been embedded in like, in our family tradition, without even noting, no, uh, noticing it. And, um, and so they had this like mystic quality to it i was like oh maybe maybe i was meant to work with clay and and um of course yeah so it, it had this like certain quality to it i mean you probably were meant to work with clay yeah maybe yeah yeah i mean man i i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with it <laughs> now uh new fascination you think you'll just do it for the next five decades is it that deep I think I can, but I'm also like always trying to evolve, always trying to find something new I can play with. Yeah, the way I see it is once you find your, it's like a marriage now, it sounds like mm -hmm. to me, like you found your medium, you can evolve within that relationship and yeah. go 
you can go infinite places. Totally. Um, I think that's an interesting thing about artists in their thirties is they tend to have understood their style and then they're going to use that style as a vehicle for other forms of evolution. But early on, you're just trying to sort out your technical deficiencies, your own identity. Um, and then you can actually in some sense have something to say, even if it's via abstraction. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, like, you know, my boy Valentine, like they're known for their shoegaze guitar sound, but uh, it took them a while to find their voice. You know, they were making like goth, proto goth music. And I think everyone, if you're creative, you just want to find that voice. And it takes sometimes it takes us a long time. And then sometimes it takes people, you know, it's quicker. But um, it took me, I don't know, nine years or 10 years to to really find my voice. And I feel like I have found it. And, you know, it's, it's like a marriage where I do want to continue it, but I also want to spice it up. I want to keep sure. it inter interesting. Um, I don't want to just do like repetitive stuff. No, no, of course not. Yeah. 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 Is that what you listen to while making ceramics? <laughs> um, no, it, it changes. I, yeah. Recently. Yes. I've been listening to a lot of like Interpol and um, like like old interpol or new interpol yeah no like old i don't know like where the I first know. the first two albums yeah. I'm the assuming. first two albums i've been listening to the strokes so a lot of like 2000 music like the flaming <laughs> lips you know it's funny i was talking to canon dill about this and he was listening mm -hmm. he's in the same a similar place that era mm -hmm. i forget exactly what he was listening to but yeah i mean i still listen to the strokes I, st I stuck with them even through the albums that i think are kind of questionable because i think once <laughs> you when you really like an artist i don't know it's yeah. not about liking or not liking it you're kind of just there for mm -hmm. them in a, yeah. in a strange sense totally like uh yeah i've been listening to all the strokes albums i just you know i in my 20s i did hear about lcd sound system mm -hmm. and i was like ah now i'm like whoa i get it now like my palette has been uh refined so i i understand it now i understand the music more um and even like the flaming lips like oh my god there's so much uh intention that went into it yeah we sound real old <laughs> it's all right i know i mean like it's i'm no used problem. to just yeah um no but like uh what did i listen to in the studio I, I, it just plays on random i listen to a lot of things on youtube and um and it, it creates it generates this playlist for me um it's not really a question i tend to ask artists but i think when working with abstraction it's interesting to know what the artist is marinating in because i think there's more things are kind of absorbed of mm -hmm. the ethereal nature that goes into the work. Yeah. I do think if you hit like a good groove, you tend to work within that groove when it comes to like music. It's kind of like if you're creating, it's almost like a dance. Like your your movements are being implemented 
the at the beat of the music and um i think at right now at, at the bray you know we have 10 resident artists in one huge room and uh uh mo- now like most of the time i just talk to the other residents mm-hmm. um and then i have like my music very 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 low and um i can still hear like the replacements from a distance but still conversate and like um and uh yeah i do think like music plays a a big hand in or just like what your your auditorial what you're listening to um of course a lot a lot of people now are listening to podcasts i just can't seem to focus on a really good story and focus on my own work so i need music right no that makes complete sense to me Mm-hmm. I used to watch documentaries. I used to watch like historical documentaries because I was like, well, if I'm going to make work, I also want to learn something. And so I would like, you know, that's, that's a bit much, I think. Yeah, it, 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 it was, it was, I'll, I wasn't as productive because I was like, oh, I want to learn about the Mayan civilization or right, I, right, right, right. I want to hear about the, the British king who fell under this, uh, I don't know but um now it's like i don't know i don't know what i listen to but mostly interpol right now my that's interesting yeah 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 it's darker darker music than i would have suspected yeah i think it happened i watched the documentary meet me in the bathroom yeah 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 and so now i'm just like oh man i remember i mean i was like young young but um my friends in Kansas City, they had a bar in Brooklyn, like a pretty, pretty big one in Brooklyn. And uh, they grew up in that. And they're like my best friends now. So they they would tell me stories like, oh, I went to see the yeah, yeah's. And, and I was, I'm just constantly asking me questions. I'm like, oh, my God, did you meet this person? Like, how was it when this album came out? And like, um, so it's, it's fascinating right now. I think that's my summer music right now. Yeah. yeah good to know so you got any shows coming up that we should plug um i have one i think in november in london mm-hmm. and then um hopefully like the art fairs in new york like uh in november and art basel and um, i'm doing i'm getting ready to go to new york for my Sharpolenta's residency um i just had a show at part two uh, and are you more and more comfortable navigating this world this world of fine art does it I feel guess. good do you feel good i feel good i have a great gallery uh, i have great support um i have i have people i can count on to if i if i get like confused um yeah i, I definitely do i think background for money and gallery i think i know how to manage like shipments and um, how to package certain things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I just, I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm just getting started in my career, which is a, a great thing. And, uh, I'm still very, I'm like the new kid on the block. I feel which block is that the artist block. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I well, think... It's good to hear. It sounds like you're in a good place. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm like, I, uh, 
you know, it's great to have the support of Spurney Westwater, man. It's makes such a health, like big difference and like just like a healthy relationship. And uh, the fact that they believe in my work, I, I'm able to believe in my own work. And um, it's just like all positive vibes right now. That's great. Mm -hmm. These names are wild. I love them all. Speroni Westwater, Sharp. Polentas, yeah. Polentas. Archie Bray. Archie, what are these? <laughs> Archie Bray is like, I what are feel these like. Names? Where are these names from? Where have I been living with this? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, the residencies. Like, I, I think Archie Bray is like the best ceramic residency. And I was like, I want to apply for that. And I got in. Um, and, you know, Sharp Polentas is like a residency I've been applying to for like seven, eight years. And I finally got accepted and um yeah, it's all like great names actually. Now that you mentioned that it's Bruni Watts so like They're two great names, great two names. name two name organizations. Um, um that's but, good to mention, honestly. People need to hear that you have to apply for residencies like six times in a row. Yeah. People yeah. forget that. They do it once and they're just out, but you gotta keep yeah get that bust out the chat GPT. Let it write yeah. the artist statement. Let it keep uh, I'm no. <laughs> I think the key for getting into things is be as honest as you can be. Well, yeah, because I don't I mean lion just doesn't work out in the end. It doesn't. It's not <laughs> it's not genuine. It's just not genuine. It's not who you are. You have to live within the lie once you tell it. It's just exhausting. Mm -hmm. Especially if you do it with your work. It's like I don't know, just go do something else if you want to be disingenuous about making art. There's yeah. much better paths in life and you can make much more money. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna do this thing, you You gotta do it right. Yeah, you do it all the way. Mm -hmm. No half assing, you gotta go full ass. <laughs> Two cheek. <laughs> well, it was good talking to you. I'm I'm glad to hear that you're in a good place. Yeah, man. I mean, life is good. Life is good. Music by Dory Bavarsi and Mingja Chen. Next up, we have Panayotis Terzis. <laughs> 